Acts chapter 1, verse 8, one of the final famous last words, Jesus as he had resurrected and as he was about ready to ascend, it's very telling, the last words, famous last words. And Jesus, after many convincing proofs, I'm a believer, not of fantasy, nor have I any interest in embracing mythology. I don't like mythic things particularly because they really don't do anything for you. It's entertaining to hear about mythic, mythical characters, but that's where it lands is entertainment. But the substance of and the import of Jesus actually being everything he says he is underscores that he then can do everything he claims he can do. And that he is actually not only the son of man, but he's also the son of God. And he came to set captives free. And when John the Baptist saw him on the horizon, he said, behold, the lamb slain since before the foundations of the world. That's substantial. Jesus comes in on the scene, not as a hero. He comes in on the scene as a suffering servant with a mission. And his mission is to take the piercing and the burden and the oppression and the results of all of our failing and bear them and carry them and be willing to be falsely accused, nailed to a cross where he would be willing at 33 years old to die for the sins of the world. God so loved the world, he gave his son Jesus and that whoever taps into that, whoever believes in him, trusts in him and relies on him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Can I hear an amen? We say amen because that means so be it. And when we say amen, that we, that's an embracing term. Amen is not just an exclamation church folk use. It's the affirmation that I believe that. I accept that. That is my confession of hope and faith. I confess Jesus as Lord. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was buried. He rose again. And here he is with many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. What I want to talk to you about is the things pertaining to and of the kingdom of God. There are many kingdoms. God sees the nations, and the Bible says kings and kingdoms will all pass away, and that they come and they go. The nations are a drop in the bucket, but we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Paul the Apostle, who was a Roman citizen, who was from Jerusalem, he understood his Jewishness, he understood his ethnicity, he understood his time frame, he understood the conditions of the moment. He said, you know, really our citizenship when we become a Christian is heaven. And that really what this advocates is an eternal perspective. What this advocates is an awareness that Jesus is to be our king. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And what happened in Israel is they demanded a natural king and finally they got Saul, but really God wanted to be their king. So we understand as followers of Jesus Christ that the ultimate is in fact the ultimate, that Jesus is the pinnacle of the best there ever is or ever will be. Jesus, is, his name is above every name. Jesus' blood was more significant than any blood. I've, I have AB positive, and apparently that's a kind of a, a unique blood. I mean, the, I think the most rare is AB negative, but, you know, there's a blood type thing. There's type O, there's type A, there's type B. I'm AB positive. And so that's kind of, I think, like 5% or something, but I think AB negative is even more rare. There's just a certain blood that's very, very rare. Blood of Jesus. You know where I'm getting at. 
is the only pure, perfect blood that was shed to redeem people in Asia, the Latin world, the islands, Scandinavia, North, South, and Central America, Europe, uh, Middle East, all the nations. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, with many convincing proofs, stands as he's ready to leave in this earth and go and ascend and be seated at the right hand of the Father. And he downloads remarkable truths. I'm going to talk about power tools, and I'm going to just basically use it as a, 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 like power tools in our toolbox. Here's what he says. He gathers them together. He commands them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from, of from me. Now, remember in Luke's gospel, he said, go out in all the world and preach the gospel, but do not go till you are clothed with power from on high. Here's my brother, Trey, and I've you know, bemoaned and complained about how our dad had a love for yard work and he would impose that hobby on us and we would have to do yard work with, instead of like a leaf blower, we had a leaf rake. It gets worse. Instead of an auger, you know, they actually have a power auger with an unusual kind of a big uh, drill bit. And you could rent these from, from a rental company. And you could go out and you could plant trees all day. But our dad had something called a post hole digger. It sounds like swearing. <laughs> and it was a swear word to us. You go, go get the post hole digger, the post hole digger. The post hole digger, has anyone ever seen or heard of a post hole? It's a wicked, evil implement from the Middle Ages. And, and my dad had one, and it weighed, it weighed more than we did, and the, the handles are wider than our arms, and we would have to get this thing. And, and it caused me to understand something of core strength, which I had none. And, and you'd have to pick it up and stab the ground and walk, take it like this, and then pick the dirt up and walk over and then dump it, and then come back and dig it. I know. Hence, hence the traumatic childhood. Hence the need for multiple hours of counseling. This was not a power tool. Later in my life, I found out you could have, we could have rented an auger because he would have us plant 10, 15 plants at a time, and he'd always want us to dig the hole so big and wide. It's like, Dad, look, this little pot. Just dig it like that. Just put, take the plastic off, stick it in there, stomp on it, and go ride my bike. Go ride my bike. Weekends are for riding my bike with my friends. No, get back over here. And God forbid that Trey and I would ever show any energy. You guys know, did your dad say or mom say the same thing? Hey, come use that energy for something constructive. That's what my dad used to say. Well, this energy so I could go play. Well, Jesus looks on the horizon of church and he says, you guys, I'm not sending you out powerless. I, I, I'm going to empower you. You know, there's a lot of discussion in today's world about empowerment. In the business world, talk show people talk a lot about empowerment. There's empowerment and all kinds of teaching about empowerment and uh, this is what I want to talk to you about. You shall receive power, it says in verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Alfred Nobel, back 100 and some years ago, created dynamite. And, and the word dynamite is Nobel found from the Greek, it's dunamis, and a lot of Christians come to kick when we, even though we may not know a lot of Greek words, that's one of the Greek words that comes out because 
Jesus, in fact, said, it's good that I go because I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will empower you. And I, I, I've created you for certain things. And so, like, we had the leaf rake, we had the post hole digger, we had a push mower without a motor on it. What? Was it from the Flintstones? And, uh, you know... It was kind of wonderful to come up with a string trimmer and a power mower and a leaf blower. You can get a leaf blower. I've got neighbors who live behind their leaf blower. I mean, you could go outside and go get your coffee and go have some quiet time with the Lord. Oh, no, I won't. Because you hear leaf blowers everywhere. But then they just, you know, they move all. It gets things done. Gets things done. You can get done in a very short time what it would take without the power. It would take you days and weeks to do what can be done in a moment. And that's what Jesus underscores here when he says, look, go, but don't go till you're clothed with power from on high. And then he says, you will receive power. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Say to somebody next to you, you will receive power. Let's read that again. You will receive power. See, the Bible warns in the end times that if we're not careful, we can hold to a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. And deny the power thereof. And we got to get out of denial. None of us want to be hyped up. None of us want to misspend energies. The central main purpose for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is buried and embedded in this verse. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's why. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. It's to be repercussive. It's to be international. It's to, every anointing has to start in a locality. Jesus was in Jerusalem, and I think that's fascinating. And you can see the world in an uproar over that little tiny corner of the Mediterranean. Why? Because something powerful happened there. And in fact, Jesus is coming back again there, and he's touching down there. That's why in all the globe... The whole world is paying attention to it. That's why we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and believe God for the coverage of these things. But God has not left us powerless. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And principally, it's in order that we will lead an appealing and engaging life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that, that God is in us appealing to us. Be reconciled to God. We're actually called to be reconcilers. We've actually even been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're actually anointed to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And there's an anointing on us. It's pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Well, how do you do that? How do you negotiate that? How do you arbitrate that? How do you facilitate that? How, how do you maintain diplomacy in such a harsh world? Not by might, not by power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, His Son Jesus, they sent the Holy Spirit to us upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. That our sons and our daughters, the, the elders, all everybody in between, visions, dreams, it's particular and available to all. It's available. His power, His people talk about empowerment. And, it, and then it just seems like it's for a prestigious few. But he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. So, power tools, power tools. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the power in the name of Jesus. 
One of great Danny Liston's great songs is, uh, There's No Other Name Under Heaven Whereby We Must Be Saved. Well, he extracted that from the book of Acts. And it's the name above every name, according to Philippians chapter 2. The name that eventually and inevitably every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord. Every tongue, every knee, every knee, every tongue, both knees, every tongue, on everybody throughout the ages will acknowledge Jesus is the name above every name. They'll acknowledge Jesus. We as believers have been equipped as we open up the top of our toolbox. There in such powerful availability is the name that's above every name. Jesus said, you know, with prayer, he said, so it's henceforth you've not asked me anything. He said, and then he gives a pattern. Ask the Father in my name and it will be done for you that your joy may be full. It, it, it shows something about the power. You go into a business decision and you believe God in the name of Jesus, he's gonna give you wisdom. You get ready, you find out you're gonna have a baby. You say, in the name of Jesus, my child, I dedicate my child to the purposes of God. And devil, you can't have them. And you know, you train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart. But somewhere in between, there are some road ditches and speed bumps and things that you, by the power of the name of Jesus, you and I shall navigate. There's power in the name of Jesus. That's why I get so annoyed when I hear bits on movies where they use the name of Jesus in a, in a dismissive way or a throwaway way. Man, his name is so elegant. Even in the Ten Commandments, we're urged not to take the name of the Lord in vain. In vain, it's just flippant. It's vain is worthless. Vanity is just fleeting and flitting. There's nothing vain about the name of Jesus. I suppose we could take his name in vain, or we could come today in this church and say, really, I want to honor the name of Jesus. I want to see my life improve by how I utilize the name of Jesus. Let it strengthen you. Realize in your toolbox, you have a name that when you speak, demons must flee in the name of Jesus. Your prayers are so attached and affixed to the name of Jesus because here's what I believe. Everything in heaven is packed into the name of Jesus. And because Jesus is the word made flesh, it's all associated and all tied together. There's so much power. There's so much strength. Wow. Wow. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I want to get into two key things before we dismiss. The blood of Jesus. The Bible says the life is in the blood, and there were doctors. I just saw a doctor in the last service. There are doctors and medical people in every service. So fact check me, but the Bible says the life is in the blood. And if your body doesn't have blood, you don't live. And the Word of God even says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So because God designed all of us and God made all living creatures and God put the bloodstream and the blood supply and all the processes of things, even, you know, there's a saying, what you eat, you are. At a certain point in our diet, when we eat food, it translates and ends up going into our bloodstream. That's why when I eat M&Ms, I feel weird. They look like vitamins, but they're not. <laughs> Don't they? They look like, I'm supplementing with red ones. No. When Jesus shed his blood, it's like it was the ultimate because here's the thing about Jesus. He never sinned. This is why one of the main reasons I 
the many reasons I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus because he's so wonderful, because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's everything the Bible says he is. And his blood was pure and perfect. Adam failed. Even Adam blew it and created a great forfeiture. Jesus came on a mission to restore what was lost, to seek and save that which is lost, to destroy the work of the devil. And he didn't give us a leaf rake. He didn't even give us a leaf blower. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. He gave us the power in his name, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The saints of old, they plead the blood of Jesus. And it's an acknowledgement similar to old Israel when they were leaving ancient Egypt and the Lord instructed them, hey, uh, the death is going to pass through and anybody that doesn't have the blood on the doorposts isn't going to make it. But the blood that was, so there's take a lamb for your family and, and that the, the parallel of that is a foretelling of Jesus. And when John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. With the shedding of Jesus' blood, by the grace of God, there's forgiveness for our ridiculous sins. Come on. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. This is a good news message to the world. A good news message because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, the lake of fire, the banishment to outer darkness, hell. Those things are so real. Those things are so real and unavoidable except for and by the power of what Jesus did, uh, the enablement and the empowerment of what he did on the cross. So when we say, I'm with you, I receive Jesus. Mercy triumphs over judgment. A new creation takes place. Then he fosters change in our lives. And then he says, you shall receive power. And he sends us out to be his witnesses. So the word of God, heaven and earth will pass away. You know, on the most beautiful starlit night, on the occasions when you're away where you can see the Milky Way and all of its beauty, the Bible says it's all going to roll up like a scroll. There'll be new heavens and a new earth, and things will be consumed with a fervent heat. Right now on the Discovery Channel and other programming, they're figuring out the 10 ways how humanity is going to be extinct and all this stuff. There's so much preoccupation, and in this information age, we're being barraged with so many variables. But the reality is Jesus is coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. The reality is he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. The reality of our loved ones who've passed is that they're actually looking forward to a new and glorified body. They've got something excited for in their, in their existence. And they're looking forward to, we're looking for the second coming of Jesus. And they're looking for the going of Jesus. I just thought of that the other day for our loved ones. They're, they're, they're going to... They're going to get, it's awesome. Heaven is excited. Earth might as well be excited. Kings and kingdoms pass away, but I'm telling you, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. The grass withers, the flower fades. You'll see the leaves turning. All of a sudden, we've got bare trees. But God's word never, ever changes. That's why it's so good to go to the anchoring of, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let this get in your spirit. As you open up your toolbox, look at the power of the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus when your imaginations are getting grim. 
Just speak boldly in the name of Jesus. Just utter the name of Jesus. And just, it just in faith, not in some sort of repetitive mantra, but in a, in a bold, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. In the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame all the overcomers of the final book in the Bible by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. Has anyone had any breakthrough recently? Let me see your hands. Just that some of you are here today. It's a big marker that you're an overcomer. Knowing what I know in even little measure in some of your lives, when I walk by you and, I, and given the circumstances of what you're dealing with and that you still show up and you still press on, it indicates to me the empowerment of the greater one that's living on the inside of you. Say this with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. All the false things, all the deception, every demon, even Satan himself is under the feet of the greater one. The name of Jesus is a power tool. And I wish Trey and I had these things when we were kids. Not only did we have little old school tools, I mean, it did give me amazing abs and stuff, didn't it? I've heard of abs, they're under there somewhere. Post hole digger. Shouldn't let any unwholesome word proceed from my mouth. I apologize for that. That is unwholesome. Don't ever buy a post hole digger. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to put you in touch with the Word of God. Hold to it. Meditate on it day and night. Let it correct your thinking. Let it straighten out your theology. Let it inform your faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. You say, well, what do I do? Listen to it. Read it. Ponder it. What do I do in times of desperation? Well, don't try to go and read all of the book of Leviticus and figure out all the dietary laws. Go to Romans chapter 8 where nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. You know, go in there and read this and say, there, I, I receive power from the Holy Spirit. You know, remember when Jesus sent the 70 in a mission in his, during his earthly time? He, he gave an illustration because he wasn't always going to be with us in natural terms. So he sent out 70. He, he gave them authority. And they went out into a village and they started to rebuke demons from people that were oppressed and demons would flee. They started to prophesy. They started to see signs, wonders, and miracles. They came back all excited and Jesus said, hey, that's great that demons are subject in your name and that they're in my name and there are miracles, but don't rejoice in this. Rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven. So Jesus is always and forever trying to get us to keep the big deal the big deal. So we get things on proper balance. However, we need to understand and remember that the last things Jesus did say, out of all the things he could say, in fact, even in Acts chapter 1, hey, what are the signs, what are the epochs, what are the times, and what's going to happen? What about Daniel's prophecy and Ezekiel? What's going to happen here and there and every? He goes, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the Father has determined. He said, and he's fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. See, there's the purpose of the outpouring in the upper room that is still available and intact today. It didn't cease with the completion of the Bible. It's going to cease after Jesus comes in his second coming. So it's therefore still, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And these Bible patterns, he has not left us powerless. In fact, when you read the Bible, I had the staff, I, I laid out something, and I said, I want you guys to take this to the printer. And it's because of Jesus... 
and it's like the mirror, it's like a little mirror of the Word of God, and it's scriptures compiled that say who we are in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. Colossians 2.10, I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I am alive with Christ, Ephesians 2.5. I am free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8.2. I am far from repression and fear does not come near me, Isaiah 54.14. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me, 1 John 5.18. And it goes on, I have the greater one living in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, 1 John 4.4. And in that context, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Everybody say victory. victory. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're sitting by someone with victory. Now turn to your second choice and say, you too. <laughs> victory. Everybody say victory. victory. He always causes us to triumph. I said he always causes us to triumph. Now some of us in our circumstances don't necessarily feel like that reconciles. Like when this building flooded, I was depressed. And I could hardly even think. My mind was numb. I cried. Patsy cried. I literally did not know what to do next. I was overwhelmed as a young leader for our staff or a church. But then what do I do? And I'd started Service International, and the Lord began to trigger me. This is part of what I want you to do. I want you to reach out to your neighbors. I want you to go help the businesses because 5,000 people just lost their jobs, and every business owner just lost their livelihood in a, in a stroke and I want you to mobilize your church, and I want you to go in there and get their buildings cleaned out as fast as you can so they can restore and get back in business so those people can come back to work. And that that's the way I want to do it so you can reach your neighborhood. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor. When the enemy came in like a flood, God raised a standard against him. I was walking around in the parking lot, and I was praying yesterday, and I looked at the building, and I remembered the height of the water. And then I looked over at the levee, and I remember how the water engulfed as far as the eye could see. And I remember the morbidity and the depression of it. And yet I saw God leading us in triumph and victory. I've watched people walk through loss and yet have the assurance that, that I'm going to get to see that loved one again. Last night at, at Anchors, a young man that I've known for many years, he told me that his eldest brother just recently got saved. You know what his incentive was? He was married to a Christian wife. And, he, and he, he said, I want to be with her. I don't want to miss out on being with her. So I, I want to, in order to get, be with her, I want to get saved. And that's because the Bible says you'll reunite with loved ones. Well, that's superficial. It should just be for the glory of God. Well, it's a start. When I got saved, it wasn't, I wasn't, God, I want to glorify you. It was like, I don't want to go to hell. It's very selfish. Later on, I realized, Jesus, you know, wow, you're amazing. Back, we just have a moment right here. Jesus is amazing. He's worthy of praise. And you're not weird for serving him. You're not weird for showing up today. It'd be weird not to. God takes messed up stuff and converts it. He took that stupid flood and he turned it around. When the enemy came in like a flood, God turned it around and he raised up a standard against him. The church was dejected in the very beginning when Jesus died. They were all going, <laughs> then Jesus comes walking in the room. Thomas and everybody, they fell at their feet, and Jesus gives them power, and he says, go out and make a difference in the world. Go out and be a change agent. 
And the Lord saw down through the annals of time, you and me. I'm convinced of this. In fact, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I think part of the interpretation of that verse, the joy set before him was complying with and pleasing the Lord, fulfilling every messianic prophecy of the rescuer to bear our sins, our transgressions, and the chastisement of our well-being was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But also I think that while he was nailed to that cross, maybe he had a vision of how pleased the Father would be and how liberated humanity could be and the hope that would spill out and drench upon all of us lost folks and that we lost sheep would be returning back to the King and the Lord and that he would have caused through that obedience, hallelujah, an overturn of all the failure of Adam and Eve. That's big what I just said. And now you're in this commissioning moment. And God's not giving you a post hole digger and a leaf rake. He's given you the power of the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Do you realize that's the most substantial thing in the earth? The word of the living God stands forever. Hold to it. Saints of old have gone to the pages of Scripture and read four or five words and just carried it into their battle and won because of the power of the word of God in a situation. I've watched it happen in my own life. When we had this printed, down the page it says, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then it says, I shall do even greater works than Christ Jesus, John 14, 12. Well, we got a phone call from the printer. The printer called us, called the person in charge and said, hey, um, I was reading through your printout and I was getting ready to print it and I realized you had a typographical error. And they said, really? Well, we researched it and we, you know, we checked and double-checked, but where? thanks for telling us, where is it? It's on the first page, it's toward the bottom, the fourth line up from the bottom. So it says, I shall do even greater works than Christ Jesus. And uh, the person on the other end of the phone said, well, that's right. Excuse me? Yeah, look it up. This is what it says. So she read the whole verse to him and uh, said, you shall do these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. And the person was astonished because that's a, that's a statement in your toolbox that I want to exhort you toward. Signs and wonders are to follow your faith, your prayer, and expectation needs to mount. Not unrealistic. I don't want to stimulate any kind of hype, nor is that necessary. I don't want to get you in some sort of fantasy, because this is not a fantasy-based movement. This is a fact-based reality. And the fact of what Jesus said, these works and greater works shall you do, because I go to be with the Father, ought to inspire something on the inside of you as you open up your toolbox and you see the name of Jesus, the power. Say this with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With my shield of faith, I quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I have no lack because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus, demons flee. In the name of Jesus, God covers my nation. In the name of Jesus, we pray protection and blessing over the bi-state area, over North America. Cover our nation, Lord, with your shield 
of grace and favor, protection, favor against all powers of darkness. Every evil spirit must flee in the name of Jesus. So God's given us these tools. What we've just done is we've just gotten an agreement. I'll give you a preview. Matthew chapter 18. If two of you agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. And so we get in this amazing posture of agreement. Amos 3.3 says, how could two walk together except they be agreed? That's why God hates discord and strife. That's why we must coalesce and rally in what matters most. That's why I wanted to tell you about the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the endowment of power by the Holy Spirit imparted by Jesus, the power of praising Jesus, the power of binding and loosing. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You moms and dads know of the desperation on occasions to pray over our kids when we launch them out into the world and they get subject to so many dark allures and we believe God for their protection. We stand on the promise, train them up in the way they should go and when they're old, they'll not depart. Even you parents who got saved later in life and your kids were past impressionable years, God will send laborers to cross their path. You pray that in the name of Jesus. You focus on that. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, I pray a special strengthening on everybody in this place right now. God, I pray our allegiance would be centered and honoring to you. Forgive us for a divided heart. We repent, Lord. Please help us. Our flesh is goofy. And God, we want to walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. And we ask you to help us. Say this with me. Bridle my tongue, Lord. Be with my mouth. Show me what to speak. God, I receive power refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Use me. Speak through me. Prompt me in prayer. I trust you for this. I'm protected. I'm spirit-led. I'm more than a conqueror. In Jesus' name. Amen.